suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Morahan, and my brother J.S. to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Welcome today to our 155th podcast, Memento Number 5, The Arbitrariness of Kings and in particular, of Xerxes, part two. We continue the story of Xerxes and his mission to lead the world's largest military force ever assembled in the history of the world against the city-states of Greece to avenge his father's humiliation at the Battle of Marathon that took place in 490 B.C., and, and Xerxes wasn't the kind of ruler whom encouraged or saw or, or was open to advice. He just wasn't. He was the kind of man who was more interested in being right than the kind of man who was interested in getting it right. Such insecurity manifests itself by, by making one far more prone to error and serious error at that. And as a result, Xerxes made many mistakes. And trying to impress upon Xerxes the idea that obsessive devotion to avenging perceived wrongs serves only to perpetuate conflict, uh, promote a never-ending cycle of instability, fear, and violence. It would provoke no reflection in a man as obsessed by contemplation of revenge as was this king, Xerxes. Such, you know, such efforts simply angered the king and he didn't respond well to concepts that were not fully in alignment with his worldview. No, he did not. Arguments contrived um, to convince the king of kings, you know, his obsession for revenge only increased the risk that he might actually lose what he already possessed, you know, things he valued most, things like unlimited wealth, unearthly powers over untold millions of subjects and his incredibly vast harem, for example, went nowhere. Xerxes wasn't listening. Like a child, la, 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 la. He just wasn't listening. And even his distinguished uncle, Artabanus, who was Darius's brother, he would be punished when he had the nerve, you know, showed himself bold enough to speak up and offer the king contrary but very wise counsel that to invade Greece would only result in true misfortune or worse for the Persian Empire. Forget, you know, or ignore even the efficacy of Artabanus' analysis of the plans that were then underway. Mere presentation of an opposing viewpoint served only to anger, you know, the king of kings, the emperor, hell-bent on invading and subjugating Greece. It was, as if, it was as if Xerxes had been the man whom inspired Nietzsche to write the words, it is impossible to suffer 
without making someone pay for it. Whoa, he, he had already made up his mind, sources. The Greeks would bleed and Athens would bleed the most. You know, Xerxes presupposed by 2,000 years Machiavelli's great insight that men needed to be treated generously or destroyed. One or the other. There was no middle ground. Because, you know, inflicting only slight wounds upon people generates in them only a festering resentment. And such resentment lends itself in one direction only, to thoughts of revenge. That's what people do. So if one's going to strike out, one must strike true and hard. Limit commitment, but commit to the limit. And, and this sort of axiom mirrors one of the few cogent, I think, rational arguments ever made by the NRA with respect to gun ownership in the United States. That, that rule being, should an owner of a gun you know, believe he needs to brandish that gun, he, he, he takes that gun out only upon the conclusion that the circumstances in which he finds himself are so dire that someone is going to die right now. Whoa, that's commitment. Xerxes believed in the depths of his soul that Greeks were going to die. And for the record, how exactly um, did the king of kings reward, or more accurately, how exactly did he punish Artabanus for having the nerve, the courage to speak up and give him advice, contrary advice, adv advice contrary to the king's established position? Well, Xerxes certainly didn't reward him, that's for sure. No, rather arbitrarily, in my opinion. He had, he had one of his minions on his royal court staff go inform Artabanus that when the king rolled over Greece, Artabanus would not be rolling with him, not in any capacity within the expeditionary force. He was to remain home in the royal palace with the women. Oh my God. In Persia, there was no more harsh an insult than that. To stay home with the women. Whoa. Okay. So anyway, later, Ar Artabanus was smart enough. Smart enough not to ask the defeated, humiliated, incensed Xerxes when he returned to Susa after experiences experiencing his guided private tour through Hades, courtesy of those uppity, but you got to admit, courageous Greeks. Xerxes, you know, unlike a later very, very lucky Dante, he was not fortunate enough to have an ancient Roman poet, Virgil, to serve as his guide in his own private hell that was Greece. Nor was Virgil um, Xerxes' fellow pilgrim in the purgatory that was his frantic retreat back through northern Greece to the safety of his home in Persia. As, as these things go, that retreat, this was no miracle at Dunkirk. Let me tell you something. This was one freaked out, terrified king, Xerxes, hauling his ass back through northern Greece, hoping to cross that pontoon bridge of boats over the Hellespont before those emboldened, never say die, crazy ass Greeks crossed the Aegean to knock 
without that bridge, trapping Xerxes in the no man's land on the European side of what today um, we refer to as the Straits of Dardanelles. This was Xerxes' position. He was a freaked out leader. And his, his painful, you know, Odyssean tra uh, travails reeked of Napoleon's disaster at, at Waterloo or his disastrous, catastrophic retreat from Moscow. And while, while Xerxes was never going to find himself banished to St. Helena's, he just had to have had moments on his mad retreat. He just did. You know, on his way back home, after having his ass so thoroughly kicked um, by the Greeks, and, and by the way, his forces were not yet done with thrashings. There was going to be much more suffering for them to endure. And, and it is a truism in life that a thorough ass-kicking can change your life forever. And Xerxes, on that long retreat back to Persia, just had to hear that record playing in his mind over and over. You know, Artabanus, home with the women, screaming, Hey, king, how did ignoring my advice work out for you, big boy? Oh, shit hit the fan, didn't it, king of kings? Well, Artabanus wouldn't be doing that. He was, he was too smart to rub Xerxes' nose in this. But in a, in a Donald Rumsfeldian fashion, you know, a Donald Rumsfeldian uh, moment, Artabanus knew, and Xerxes knew, and each knew the other knew, and then they both knew, the other knew, they both knew, and still Xerxes had to be thinking about, you know, the advice that Artabanus had given him and it, that he had ignored, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm often, you know, I often refer to rock lyrics, but I got to tell you, Comes, what comes to my mind at this moment is paraphrasing Jeff Lynn and the Electric Light Orchestra. Xerxes could not get it out of his head. Uh, okay, so let's move on with the story here. Let's return to the flawed but extensive pre-invasion planning. For Xerxes, this wasn't one of those binary uh, either-or uh, scenarios. No, it, it would end in only one possible outcome in his mind. Athens would be destroyed. But Artabanus had tried to suggest the outcome was binary. It really was. You know, by nature, there could be an adverse outcome king, and he saw how it might develop. But the king wasn't having it. He wasn't having it at all. And there, there, there was no doubt the king was assembling the world's largest military force ever put together, naval and ground forces along with cavalry. And I'm telling you, in war, size does matter. But there exist many other factors and variables a commander need take into account. I mean, consider um, just two factors in battle that I remember Napoleon once discussed. That is number one. That spirit is to material as four is to one. You know, and ask what kind of general that Napoleon favored. And he responded, surprisingly, but not incorrectly, lucky ones. Both these factors would come into play in the campaign between the Persians and the Greeks to come. And within Xerxes' mighty force, there were weaknesses that the enemy might 
exploit. I mean, for example, with, within that huge expeditionary force, you know, army and navy, there were fighting men from all over the empire whose fighting skills and experience in battle were of varying quality. You know, their striking power differed. They had more or less big battle experience. And number two, they lacked military training, at least common military training, and they lacked discipline. You know, the kind of discipline that would be needed under pressure and threat posed by fierce, close, man-to-man fighting that they had probably never experienced before. And the force, number three, they didn't speak the same language. They were of different cultures with different values and and hence communication and, and organization and maneuverability on the field of battle would be a significant challenge throughout And number four, the men were not equipped with the same weaponry. Coordination on attack or in retreat would be an issue. It really would. And the leaders, the leaders of formations were were principally chosen, selected, put in place due to nepotism. Relatives of Xerxes were to assume key command positions. And by the way, no less than 10 other sons of Darius the Great were assigned command positions. You know, you know this, this sort of, 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 the, of ranking of nepotism over merit was, was still seen at Balaclava 2,300 years later, you know, with disastrous results, I might point out. So the practice was, was certainly not unique to Xerxes or his time, but still, skills and character in the command structure of a fighting force ought to prevail over ancestry. And in the battle to be fought against the Greeks, it would not. Number seven, the loyalties of the nations within the empire had to be questionable as well. A number of these these states who had contributed forces or ships had revolted in recent years only to have been put down ruthlessly by Xerxes and his armies. And this would not have been forgotten by the soldiers of the nations conscripted to battle on behalf of the Persians against the Greeks. And, you know, many of these states had suffered under you know, burdensome tax uh, policies imposed by the king, and and which recently had been made only more burdensome in anticipation of war with the Greeks. So this was not popular among the nations now brought together to fight the king and the in the king's army against those pesky Greeks. Number eight. And I don't think it makes sense to forget that these men were driven forward to fight under the lash. And if you're driven forward under the lash, you are usually not the most motivated of fighters. I mean, though I would admit they are very angry men as they move forward. Escaping their tormentors and the battlefield itself would appear to be quite often more important than actually defeating the purported enemy forces in which you are engaged. So, let's talk Xerxes. To ignore the risks as laid out by Artabanus. To price those risks at effectively zero was ignorant. Obviously, this was not um, proper risk management practice. And 
such a risk pricing assumption, asymptotic to zero, that's called gambling. And, exer- and Xerxes prov- proved himself to be a risk junkie. You know, given enough time, time being the most dangerous enemy of risk junkies, time will do one in. And because with the passage of time, there enters chance. Oh my God. And chance is accident. It's unpredictable and unavoidable. It just happens. And Xerxes' utter disregard for the prudent advice provided him by his uncle. His unwillingness to consider it is akin to the absurdly high risk tolerance of those risk junkie fanatics like modern base jumpers who defy statistics that that suggest that with experience, one will achieve, you know, a greater level of safety. And this is not true. With, With risk junkies, Like base jumpers, the opposite proves true. The more times one jumps off of a building or a fixed object, like a radio tower or a cliff top, the greater the probability the next leap will prove terminal. There absolutely exists a point in time where prudence dictates risk aversion to be the better play than is further tolerance for the assumption of ever greater levels of risk. Don't confuse, don't ever confuse courage with outright foolishness. Artabanus had pleaded with his nephew Xerxes to see reason. He suggested that he maintain over his domain the the degree of vigilance implied by, by, yes, Jimi Hendrix in All Along the Watchtower. That is, be cool, think, in given situations where consequences might prove catastrophically adverse, even if the probabilities perhaps are quite low, prudence demands consequences must dominate probabilities. Don't go, Xerxes, don't do it. But you know, arbitrariness is defined as the quality of basing decisions on random choice or personal whim rather than reliance upon reason or system or lacking restraint in the use of authority, autocracy. Well, that's the very definition of Xerxes. Well, then it is clear. Xerxes demonstrated this trait in spades, in the run-up to the war with the Greeks. Xerxes was intent on invading Greece, despite advice um, suggested, you know, that maybe he ought not to go. Don't go, Xerxes. Muddy waters and the Rolling Stones come to my mind with their powerfully persuasive rendition of, baby, please don't go. But Xerxes, he went. He planned for war, and history is clear. This was a mistake. Hey, thanks. Thanks for listening, and we will continue with The Arbitrariness of King, Xerxes Part 3, in our next episode. I am thanks for listening, man, and have a good day. Far off place, half a world away. And there's so much to do, and there's so much to see. Mother Nature's had her way There are mountains and valleys and beautiful hills Each vista something new And though my imagination's been captured My thoughts they've
Admit it that I'm scared So can you try 